how we can work together as a group. And when we talk about teamwork, can't talk about teamwork without talking about kind of the mission of the team. You know, what is the work that we have to do uh, together? You know, what it, what is our mission? And we talk about good works and serving, but talk about saving the lost, right? Uh, talk about this work of edification uh, internally as a group. You know, we know what it is that we're supposed to be doing. We know we got work. We know we got a mission. We know we got a purpose. We know that God has a plan for our lives, uh, both individually and corporately. And when we were talking last week, we were talking about corporately, you know, what do we do to, to be together. Uh, this week's lesson is about uh, the communication that we have uh, with one another. I, I've got it titled Christian Communication. Um, Y'all know that Miss Carrie was in ag communication for many years. Um, and, um, you know, that'll be basically our discussion today. This is our kind of lead-in verse. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Um, this idea of uh, edification is being talked about in that verse. Y'all remember when we talk, uh, when we go and study Acts, we see that they were together daily, they were working, uh, that that group was communicating, those early Christians, we see examples of them communicating, working in the community, saving souls, we see what's going on, right? They're, they're strengthening one another, they're doing those things correctly, right? And most of you know that... Uh, my uh, job has somewhat evolved, and it seems like these days I'm, I do more training than anything else. And I, I find a lot of this data uh, that I use at work to be super relevant to what we do here. You know, it's how people work. It's how things work. Um, it's how work works. And if we're going to say we got work to do, Let's talk about work. So, pretty interesting elements of personal communication. And um, we talk about the power of the Word. Uh, we know that God's given us His Word. But when we talk about this idea of how we communicate these things together, uh, there's also this idea, there were several of y'all that were teachers. And we know that there's this idea of retained or uh, learned uh, classroom. You know, how much do you get? How much do you retain? How much do you remember? And most of that is visual. And I've seen statistics between 60% and 85%. It's, it's visual, like images, right? Those things stick. What you see sticks. Um, but... And I see this pretty universally as I study these things, that tone of voice, you know, inflection, you know, what you hear when you hear my voice has something to do with how I communicate those things. Can you hear uh, timidity, uncertainty? Can you hear that in my voice? Can I say something? And if I say it a certain way, uh, uh, you know, maybe we're not so sure. And I can say it another way. And there's a lot of confidence conveyed. 
right? And then it says uh, 55% is body language. So, you know, what's the message, right? You don't have to hear anything. So there's a, there's a lot of communication that takes place that requires that you hear and see me, actually. Uh, there's a lot that goes on there. Pulled up a lot of this stuff that had to do with the pandemic because there was a flurry of research and stuff that had to do with communications, work effectiveness, lots of stuff on the Internet about what happened during the pandemic when folks were separated on this subject. You know, when folks were working at home, working remotely. It says 75% of the employees uh, feel socially isolated, 57 feel greater anxiety, 53% are emotionally exhausted. Um, uh, those are evidently the extroverts in the crowd that were exhausted by the separation. <laughs> I see Evan nodding his head. There are introverts, you know, that actually have to get away from you to do a little recharging. So, you know, some of that's just going to be personality-based on the end down there. Uh, think me and Evan are probably okay with, yeah, Evan has given me the, I was good, right? So uh, this was interesting. Um, this customer satisfaction and customer loyalty statistic, companies with engaged employees have 98% greater customer satisfaction and 50% higher customer loyalty uh, than one's with disengaged employees, I, I thought that was interesting. You know, what we're, what we're getting at is, um, you know, how do we work together? Um, you know, we know from experience um, who are the people that leave, who are the people that quit, quit the work here, that go out of duty, do you ever see it coming? Do you know what's happening ahead of time? Are they the most disconnected people in your group? Is it something that they choose or something that you choose? Is it something you didn't do or something that they didn't do? Right? Is it both? Right? Um, this is super small, so I'm going to read it. Uh, 72% of people say their impressions are impacted by how someone appears and their handshake. 68% of entry-level uh, professionals value face-to-face -face networking more than online. I find this to be true. I fool with salespeople all the time. And they talk about this one in the bottom. On the bottom right says, for every dollars companies invest in travel, that's them sending their folks to either educational deals or to meet with their clients that are out of town in person, they get $12.50 in value return. Isn't that interesting? That's an interesting number. According to one survey, around 9 in 10 people say small meetings are their favorite communication method. So in our case, this would be, for 9 out of 10 people, this would be a, a good size room, right? This is effective. Uh, this might be our favorite communication method 
to be together like this in small settings, right? And we, we think about home Bible studies. What do we think about? Are they usually effective? Y'all know when we have home Bible studies, you know how that, what's that, and, and how does that feel? Make you feel more connected when that happens? Uh, I think about, I was thinking through this, and yesterday, you know, if we surveyed, and of course we hadn't done this, but yesterday after ladies' Bible class, if I had surveyed the ladies that had attended and said, do you feel more connected or less connected to your, you know, to your group, uh, and yesterday afternoon, what would they, would they have scored higher on the more connected? We got the nod, yeah, we know that. Uh, what about the ones that weren't there? Probably the same as the day before and the day before, right? So each time that we make those efforts, now, if you're not there and you're not connected, whose fault is it? Okay. Um, nearly 100% of people say face-to-face meetings are essential for a long-term business relationships. What about long-term relationships with our brethren? Do you think it would be the same number? Right? And is four hours together in a setting like this, is this what we're even talking about? If you're honest with yourself. Right? And this is the less effective... In the red down here, more effective, what they're talking about is these uh, communication effectiveness. And down there is bulk mail and posters and I'm sure billboards, right? The billboards when you're riding by make you feel connected to the business that you saw on the billboard? Piece of direct mail? No. Letters and emails? Kick it up a notch, right? Uh... Voice, we're adding voice in right here. We're on the radio. Telephone, voice, video conferencing. I can see you and I can hear you. Zoom or whatever, right? We've done tons of Zoom. What's number one? Face-to-face, right? That's number one. Because what can you not do on the video conference? Can't shake your hand. Remember that firm handshake from earlier? There's some other stuff. Is touch important? I'm not telling you to touch Evan. Evan's bubble's pretty pretty big. But do we know, right? Is that important? We do know that that's effective. I thought this was interesting, right? So... Tips for effective communication in the workplace. Over here, the first one they had up was face-to-face meetings. This idea of managing time effectively. You know, and I think about, you know, from a work standpoint, what are they talking about? Um, Okay, they're blowing a bunch of time on Facebook or texting their boyfriend or what are they doing? Uh, well, they're not working, right? Um, that's what they're not doing. Um, and when we think about it from the standpoint of us as a group and what our mission is, managing our time effectively, 
wouldn't it be the same? Just not, not engaged in the work. And how much time do we spend not engaged in the work? It says diplomacy is key. We kind of know what that means. Um, I'm going to try to get along here. Interesting. Make it a conversation, not a lecture. And I, you know, as I give a as we do a sermon, right, right. So, uh, I y'all know I re- I really prefer to do the class. I like the class where we got the back and forth going. I like that better. Uh, and that that's going to have a lot to do with this idea of effective listening as well, right? So as you study these things, the li- you find that that listening portion is very important. Um, and this one on the right, make sure training is airtight. The training is an important element, right? So this idea of, for us as brethren, this idea of having a conversation about what the book says, talking about it, uh, how would we be confident in our face-to-face meetings with others if we really didn't know the subject matter. If you weren't familiar with the products that your company was selling or producing, whether you're working on the floor and manufacturing side or whether you're in the sales side, if you're not if you don't if you don't know the product, if you don't know the process, how's that going to translate in these other areas? It's going to translate poorly. We know that, right? So Making sure the training is airtight. So I, I, you know, y'all know what my habit is. I like to start in the Old Testament, and we'll talk Old Testament and New Testament. I'm gonna have scriptures from both. But these are random. Picked them out, and we're gonna see what the Word says about what we're talking about. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And that particular one is that... um, Is this indicating that maybe you're going to go somewhere where somebody else is and do these things in front of other people? Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. The lips of the righteous bring forth what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverted. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. And is that going to be a good word that's texted? Is that going to be the most effective way to help this or... We're going to go see somebody. Is that going to help more? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools sprouts folly. Be good to learn what it was that you're supposed to be talking about to understand it well, to become the wise, to understand the knowledge that you're trying to deliver. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. 
The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the, the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The wise in heart will, become, will be called understanding, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. That's a good one. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. That's maybe that listening first verse, right? Let's listen before we talk. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a, a listening ear. That's talking about both sides of the conversation there, right? So what does it mean to be a disciple? The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. Right? That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. So, how we speak, uh, the goals maybe that we have when we're speaking, um, this idea of listening again, uh, this you know that slide that had you know make it a make it a conversation, not a lecture. You know how important is it that we listen, um, and with whose best interest at heart? When you enter into this conversation, is it so that I can win the conversation? That I would win the debate? Or am I thinking about that other person in the conversation? You know, whose interest do we have in mind when we engage in this work? Um, am I checking off the list, my good works, and I'm going to do it without injury to myself? Am I going to be the winner all along? You know, how am I thinking about this? Let's try some New Testament verses. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good, and the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Ephesians 4. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. And if we're talking about this idea of growing up, um, grow up in all aspects and to him who is the head, even Christ. Are we talking about taking on the character of Christ? Being like him? Is that what that's talking about? This idea of growth and maturing to become more like him? And how do you imagine conversations between him and other people went? You don't have to imagine it. You can read it, Right? And you can see what it see what it was, and whose best interest did he have in mind 
in those conversations that you can see he had, what we've got a record of, right? Therefore, as you have uh, received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Colossians three sixteen and 17. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So is this idea of singing together, is that... Part of what we think about as far as edifying and strengthening one another? Is that a part of that? And does that only happen here? When was the last time we had a singing at somebody's house, right? And if we were to poll everybody after the singing and say, how connected do you feel to your brethren at North Columbus Church of Christ? How, you know, how, how do you feel? You know, and... If you did it before and after, how would it work? Would the scores go up? They'd go up, right? Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Think about that verse. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And think about this. Is this always just going to be what you say or will it be, you know, how you posture yourself, you know, your body language, your tone of voice? Does that play into this communication that we have with one another? And how do we convey confidence when we're talking about the Scripture and God's will and His Word? By knowing it, studying it, believing it talking boldly about it. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. 2 Timothy 2, uh, this is three verses here together, starting in verse 24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. So in this we see a lot about motive. Y'all see the motive in these passages? Is this for the other person's benefit that we're doing these things? Um... Your disposition, is it to be quarrelsome? Uh, Does kindness come into play? Ability? Able to teach? Patient? Even when you're wronged? That's how we're supposed to communicate together. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Uh... Well, wouldn't it work a lot better if I wasn't so gentle? Right? Gonna jar them into the right spot, maybe. 
No? Okay. Uh, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. So, again, leading to motive. Why are we doing that, right? So, this is one of the slides or what have you I found. talks about um, how do we get better at this. Um, I guess we can. So, an active listener, did those scriptures we read talk about that? Did we address that at all in scriptures? Hold effective meetings. Just four hours a week or more? Do you all have effective meetings at work? All right. Lots of them, maybe. Explain the why behind a decision. So, as Christians, have we made a decision? And are we supposed to give an answer for what we believe? Are we supposed to be able to do that? Now, is it just that you're supposed to be able to do it? Or should you be in the practice of doing that? If somebody corners me, and they make me, I'll stumble through this one time. The rest of the time, I don't want to talk about it. Check in with employees. Let's just scratch through that. How about check in with our brethren? Again, just four hours a week, check in with our brethren. What about asking for feedback? Uh, a lot of what I read on the feedback side uh, from the work situation was real similar to what you would expect you find here. You, you feel like a little bit of negative feedback is going to be negative, right? But the way it scores out, I didn't save that slide, but it scores out pretty good. It was like 82% basically appreciate what we would call constructive criticism. And this is in the workplace. This is secular situation, right? And folks are a little better than 8 out of 10 saying, you know, the constructive criticism increases productivity, it's good for my professionalism. It's upgrading my skills. So why do we not do that very effectively? Why do we not do that? Right? Um, and is there ever a need to do that? Almost all the time, right? So ask for it. Wow. Okay, so me and Evan are at lunch. Well, Evan, how am I doing? What do you think about my lessons? How, you know, what do I need to do to improve or whatever. Y'all think Evan's got anything uh, in his mind that he might have been thinking about sharing about the effectiveness of what I do? Maybe, once in a while. But if I don't ask for it, what's, what do you think? You think Evan's going to give it to me if I don't ask for it? 
Angela knows the answer. She's like, he's not going to do that. She knows Evan. He's not doing that. So, effectively together, right? Uh, why is this so much different than work? Why do we treat it different from work? Why are we not forwarding the mission by you know, trying to get better at this, right? Is our mission less important here than it is at work? And you can see it's, it's pretty simple stuff. It's stuff you really kind of already intuitively know. Okay, yeah, that'll work, that'll work, and that'll work. We already know what'll work. So, last slide. It says, prove it. And this is 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that you... So that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. So, what manner of life does this indicate uh, that a Christian would have? Right? Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Right? Living in such a way that you keep a good conscience, right? And can a Christian keep a good conscience if he's not doing the work that Christians are supposed to do? What do y'all think? Do y'all know people that aren't very productive in their jobs? I would say that we all know people that aren't very productive in their jobs. And when we hear them justifying their low performance. You ever heard anybody? I see Evan going, oh, yeah. Justifying low performance at work. What kind of stuff do they say? What excuses do they give? And then I want you to think about yourself as a Christian. Do the things that you say to yourself and to other people about your work as a Christian, are they sound a lot like the excuses that people make for their lack of productivity at work? And what do you think about folks that aren't very productive at work? just like they're stealing their pay. I've heard that. I've thought that. What about you? And when we think about being Christians, what do you think your pay is? What are you thinking is the reward that you're working for? And do you think you can steal it? As easy as you can steal a paycheck. Or we got stuff to do. Right? So, you know, last week we were talking about this idea of teamwork. We talked about Christian communication. Um, and when we talk about application of these principles is when it really gets tough to think about it, right? 
And at work, if I'm working and I'm not very productive, whose fault is that? Well, that's everybody's fault but my own, correct? It's the boss's fault. He doesn't provide me with the tools. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. My coworkers are so slow and not interesting or whatever else it is, right? It's their fault. So when you think about uh, corporately, we're not going to all show up. Okay, it's North Columbus Church of Christ Judgment Day. They're all either in or they're all either out. It's individual, isn't it? And who are you going to blame? Whose fault is it that we don't do this stuff well? Well, you know, I really don't get that much sport from my congregation or from my brethren or this or that. So that's my excuse for low productivity. So these are just things I want us to think about. Um, you know, I have questions from salespeople all the time. You know, well, why does so-and-so do so good and I'm not making much money? You think they like my answers? <laughs> you think I tell them the truth? I do, Right? And is that real popular? It's not. Um, so, anyway, thoughts wanted to share. I hope I hope it's been uh, effective and useful. Um, I know it hasn't been much uh, in the way of an invitation, but as Christians, uh, which I think most of the folks in here have obeyed the gospel. Uh, that can or of age um, y'all understand what the invitation of Christ is uh, if you find yourself uh, subject to that invitation I'd invite you to come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected <laughs>